How many of you wish you had a chance to start over? Are there things in your life, actions that you've taken, words that you've said, relationships that are broken, that you wish you had a do-over? For most of us, that's, there's regret in our life. There's things we wish we could have done differently, things we wish we could have done better. To a degree, the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest of all possible do-overs because God not only gives us a chance to be transformed from the mistakes that we made, but to have a brand new life in Him. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in all of history. It changed the world. I want you to think about it just, just for a moment. I mean, everything in our world has been impacted by the person of Jesus Christ. The calendar that we celebrate dates from him. The holidays that are celebrated all over the world are because of his life and the impact that he has had. Think about just the longevity of celebrating Easter, the resurrection for over 2,000 years, or almost 2,000 years. Isn't that amazing? But what's more amazing is what Jesus does in lives of individuals. The historical reality of Jesus' resurrection has been tested time and time again over the centuries. In more modern times, individuals like Lee Strobel, who was a journalist, um, Anthony Cole, who was an illusionist, a magician, and Anthony Flew, who was a very noted atheist, all sought to examine the evidence of the resurrection to disprove that it occurred. And in the process, each one of them came to realize that the evidence that Jesus rose from the dead is overwhelming. Anthony Flew, for instance, had been the prominent British writer on atheist matters for decades. And towards the end of his life, after he had been befriended by a believer in Christ for many years who faithfully just showed friendship to him, and as he began to examine the evidence of the resurrection, he turned around. And one of his last books that he wrote towards the end of his life was There Is a God. He had spent his life trying to disprove the existence of God until he met him face to face in the person of Jesus Christ. But it's not just examining the historical record. The greatest evidence of the resurrection of Jesus is in the lives of those who have trusted him as Savior and follow him as Lord. We saw a beautiful testimony of the resurrection today in Carolina's testimony. She had come to the end of herself, to the, part, to the point where she was, she was ready to give up. She was ready to find an escape. And at that moment, God met her, and God transformed her. 
That's the story of the resurrection, and it happens in millions and millions of lives. And so if you're here today and you're wondering, what does the resurrection matter? What difference does an event, even if it happened, it happened so long ago, what difference does it make? I'm here to tell you that what the scripture says is the difference that it makes is that it can absolutely change you. It can transform you. So for just a couple of moments, we're going to, which you know that's preacher speak for I'm going to go long, right? <laughs> I, hope, I hope if you didn't know the code, I'm going to let you in on some of the secrets. I promise, actually, we'll get out on time. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, I want to look at a passage that, that um, deals with the resurrection from our perspective and what God does for us because of the resurrection of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, I want you to just, we're going to put the brakes on for just a second. What the Apostle Paul here, who wrote this letter, is saying is this is where you were. You weren't alive. You were going through, you were, you were walking through life, but there was no life on the inside. Spiritually, you were dead. That's the condition of every man, woman, and child outside of Christ. We're spiritually dead, but we don't have to stay there because Jesus offers us life. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. And here's the thing. You can pursue with all that you are your desires. And the problem is they will never be fulfilled because temporary things can never fill an infinite void. And that's what all of us have. We have a void that needs to be filled with eternity. And so it has to be filled with an eternal person, an eternal relationship with God. Among whom you lit, you want, excuse me, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And here are the two most powerful words in all the scripture. But God. Your life and my life will be changed by those two words. Because when God meets us where we are in the mess of our life, in all of our failure, all of our disappointment, all of our rebellion, when there's a but God moment, everything changes. And here's what he says. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. God doesn't love us because we earn it, because we're, we're good church-going religious people. God loves us because it's who he is. And out of his mercy, he wants us to know him. 
And so he's not only saved us, but look what it says in verse 6, and raised us up with him. The resurrection of Jesus makes a difference because you and I are raised with him. And not only are we raised, it says, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This passage tells us why the resurrection of Jesus is so important to us. There's a contrast here. It begins with the reality that spiritually we're dead, but now... Now, if you've trusted Christ, if you called upon the name of Jesus, you are raised with him and you're given spiritual life. As a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have absolutely no excuse to be grumpy, just so you know, because you're being a bad witness of the life and joy that Jesus gives. He fills us with overflowing joy. And our lives should reflect that. He changes us. And here's what happens. Here's what the resurrection of Christ um, is all about. It, it, It takes on three different dimensions that make it somewhat difficult for us to get our minds around. Because the resurrection of Jesus in us is an already done thing. It is a right now process and a not yet reality in our life all at the same time. You have been raised with Christ positionally. That means you are no longer a person who is um, against God, an enemy of God. You are a child of God. And so you've been elevated with Jesus and given his position. At the same time, on a daily basis, we are being raised in Christ Jesus in transformation. He's changing us. He's taking off the old so that he can put on the new and make you more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. God is at work within us because the Holy Spirit lives in the life of every believer. And then finally, we will be raised bodily by Christ Jesus at his return. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so too all of us have nothing to fear even when we die. Because everything that we are, God has saved. Even our bodies, he will bring back to life. And so with that, we have a beautiful inheritance. We've looked at this over the last couple of weeks. Ephesians chapter 1 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's already given you and I all the treasures of heaven We simply need to have the faith to follow him so that he may fill us with his Holy Spirit and overflow through our lives with the fruit of his presence. And verse 11 says we've obtained an inheritance. It's not something you get later. It's already yours. You've been given it. 
We just aren't necessarily spending it all yet. It's already ours. So in a sense, if you place your trust in Christ, you have a resurrection past, a resurrection present, and a resurrection future, all of which should transform your life. The resurrection past is is what we read about here in Ephesians 2, where God gives us spiritual life. He gives us salvation. He gives us forgiveness. He justifies us. He makes it as if we had never sinned, even though we do. I don't know about you, but even when I really try hard not to sin, I do it. I mean, true confessions, I was driving the other day, which is usually a good test for, um, for me in many different ways um, because I tend to get a little frustrated um, with other drivers and double, triple parkers, mostly double, triple parkers along the road. And, and I, was, I was trying, I was praying and I was asking the Lord, fill me. And then a guy cuts me off. And I got frustrated. I confess. And I realized, man, I was trying to do good. But then the old me just kind of came back up. And what was great, though, was when he came back to yell at me, because that's a whole other story. Um, God had already, by the time he, mo- he walked from his van to my car, he, God had already changed me. He'd already allowed me to be repentant. And so I was very apologetic and and, and kind, and, and, and it was great because I got to watch his anger just kind of dissipate, and, and it was beautiful, and it was the Lord who did it, because if on my own, I'd still be mad at him, so God does that. He transforms us with forgiveness, with justification. He makes us a new creation, a child of God, a member of the body of Christ. That is what he has already done. Resurrection future is what he will do for us when Christ returns. And 2 Corinthians 5, if you want to read it, verses 1 through 7 talks about the new body that we'll receive. A body that is like Jesus Christ, that has been transformed, that has been glorified, that will have perfection, it will be free from sin, it will have the restoration of God's image, the way he created us to be, will be free from all pain and sickness and disease and tears. God will transform us. And that's our hope that gives us hope even in the most desperate and dark times. But our resurrection present is the transformation that God wants to work in you and in me right now. He is making us new. And he desires to fill your life with his life every day. He desires to have the Holy Spirit fill you in such a way that you overflow with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, long-suffering, patience. He wants that to overflow from our lives. Likewise, he wants to transform your identity so that you don't see yourself in your failures, but you see yourself as secure in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 just a few verses before what I read, says this in in verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. 
Now, in chapter 2, it tells us that we are seated with Christ. In chapter 1, it's, saying, it's telling us very clearly where Jesus is. And I want to show you why that's so significant. Because, because the Bible makes a very uh, big deal of Jesus not only being at the Father's side, not only being in the throne room of heaven, but specifically being at the right hand of God. Why is that significant? It's significant because Jesus is your advocate. He is your defender. He is seated on the right hand of of God. And even Stephen, when he was being martyred, the heavens were opened. And the thing that he said, the statement that he made is, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. There's something important about Jesus' position. Here's what it is. In the Jewish uh, highest court, which is called the Sanhedrin, um, and and it would be similar to what um, many nations have as their supreme court today, it was the high court of Israel. The members of the Sanhedrin sat in a semicircle so that they could see one another as they were debating over issues. And there were two clerks who would stand before them, one on the right and the other on the left. And the one on the right would take down votes of acquittal, of proclaiming innocence. The one on the left would um, proclaim votes of condemnation, that judgment needed to be enacted upon this person. And it describes the roles of these clerks as handling the arguments as basically the prosecutor and the defending attorney. Jesus on the right hand is your defense attorney who is arguing before the Father and all of heaven on your behalf, saying that you are in him. The record of what you've done wrong, the record of your mistakes, of your sins, of your failures are all forgotten because the advocate, Jesus Christ, is saying there at the right hand of the Father, this one belongs to me. And no accusation can stand. Nothing that the enemy brings against us has any weight. And all of heaven sees the justice of God because our advocate not only argues our case as the perfect defense lawyer, he took our place. He fulfilled justice for us. So he's saying that's where you are. You are seated in him. Now, There's so many things that come with that. Um, When we understand our position in Christ Jesus, it changes everything about who we are. Here's how I want to, I want to just bring out a couple of things because we're going to, we're going to keep it brief because it's, it's a very special day. But how many of you, um, especially men, it's true confession time. Um, When I shop, um, I, I don't like to browse. Okay? I don't like to spend my time going to the store and looking at all the wonderful, pretty things. When, when we go to the markets, it's, it's a little bit like torture for me, okay? Just, you know, it's like, let me get an ice cream or something like that. I need something to do because just looking at all the stuff is like, is like agony. That's all I can say, okay? So when I go to the mall or... Um, <laughs> Or even more adept, when I go to one of the hospitals here in the Czech Republic, I need this even more. I need that map 
And the most important thing on the map of the mall or of the hospital is that little indicator that says, you are here. Because nothing else on the map, especially at Czech hospitals, makes any sense unless you can find out you are here. Because, you know, you'll never find building Z because they have so many of them uh, if you don't know where you are here is. I need that. What Jesus is giving us here through the Apostle Paul is he's saying, you are here, believer. You are seated with me. And everything you do in your life, everywhere that you go, should be based upon that truth, that you are united with me in my resurrection. And you are seated with me. That means all of the power that I have, I give to you. That's why Jesus, when he gives us the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, where he begins with, all authority has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He tells us that because he wants us to know where we are in him. He doesn't say go out and do it in your own strength, in your own power, because we would never succeed. He wants us to remember where we are in him, in his power. In him, in his power, we can have deliverance over sin and from sinning. We can have victory over self and selfishness. We can have an ongoing, growing intimacy with God. We can experience the fruits of the Spirit, and we can experience abundant joy because we are united with the resurrected Jesus. If you don't know whether or not you're connected to him, The message I would want most to share with you is today simply call upon the name of Jesus. The scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that at the name of Jesus, every person can find relationship, can find forgiveness, can find healing with God. He doesn't make it complicated. He simply says, would you call out to me? If you've never done that, I want to urge you to do that. Would you simply say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I may not understand all of it, but I believe it happened. I want your forgiveness. I turn from my sin. Come into my life. I trust you this day as my Savior. I want to follow you. My Lord. The promise of the scripture is when we do that, when we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are given new life. Today can be your resurrection day. Not just a holiday to celebrate, but a brand new day where you become a brand new you in Christ Jesus. And right where you are, All you have to do is call upon his name and say, Lord Jesus, would you save me? How beautiful is that? When we do that, we receive his strength, his wisdom, his peace, his joy, his security, his righteousness, his victory, his hope, his laughter, his life. 
he wants you to have all of that because you and I are beloved by God. He desires you. So if we were to look at the map that the scripture points for us, it says you are here seated with Christ in the heavens. It means that a part of you, part of your spirit has been united with Christ and is already in his presence right now. What does that mean? Well, let me, let me give you just a few things here in closing. The first thing is that what we need to do is we need to choose to believe that by faith. We need to believe what God just said in his word that we just read, that we are seated with Christ because we believe in him in, at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. We need to believe that. We need to believe that we're united, and it's not a union that we have to achieve or that is attained through years of obedience or a series of spiritual exercises. It has already been done. The great thing that separates Christianity, according to the Bible, from religion is religion is about doing more. Biblical Christianity is it is finished. Jesus Christ already did it. It's not about me achieving something. It's about me trusting fully in what Christ has already done. It is finished. We need to believe it in our hearts. Secondly, we need to let our union with Christ shape our relationship with him. When we pray, it is not as though God is distant or removed. Rather, we are currently with Christ. We can hear the still whisper of his voice in our hearts. He is that close. I've told you this before. The reason why God whispers is because he's close. He shouldn't need to shout into our lives. He lives within us and we live with Christ. And this is why we can hear the still small voice of his Holy Spirit speaking to us when we trust in him. We also need to let our union with Christ shape the way that we pray. When we pray, we're not to pray from an earthly perspective and mindset. If we're seated with Christ already, it should change the perspective on the things that we pray about, the things that we praise and the things that we ask. We are to pray from heaven's viewpoint, not from earth. When we pray from earth, we tend to be more aware about ourselves, our needs, our wants, our crises, the difficulties that we're going through or that another person is facing. There is an underlying anxiety in our prayer. But when we pray from heaven, we still see the need, but we see the hope, the solution, and the answer because his name is Jesus. And it changes everything about how we pray and the answers that we receive. We also need to let our union with Christ and his resurrection increase our spiritual joy and vitality. Though we live in bodies on earth, we also live in heaven. We don't just draw energy from the food that we eat or the environment that we are in. We draw energy and life from God himself. That's why I urge you to pray daily for the filling of the Holy Spirit. He wants to nurture your life with his presence. 
We also need to let the union that we have with Christ change the very atmosphere around our lives. We need to see ourselves as God's instruments, as channels of his presence, of his blessing, as his representatives in this world, and ask that he will flow his life through us into the lives of others. And finally, at least for now, we need to let our union with Christ change the way we think about God's will. There was a popular trend a few years ago for for Christians to wear a little bracelet and to, to say, what would Jesus do? It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good perspective changer. But it's more important to remember that we are already with Christ right now. We are in him right now. So a better question is, Jesus, what are you doing and how do you want to use me in your work? Because I'm already in you. How do you want to work through my life, through this circumstance? How do you want to use me? to be your representative, your hands, your feet, your heart amongst the people around me. We are risen in Christ. Your resurrection is an already done, a happening right now, and a not yet reality. You have been raised with Christ positionally. You are being raised daily with Christ in transformation by his presence and work in you. And you will be raised bodily with Christ at his return. Dear Heavenly Father, would you take these words, would you take the message of Jesus' resurrection, and would you take it from being syllables and words that we hear, and would you bring it to life within our hearts and within our minds? Lord, so that we walk out of this place changed. We walk out with the reality in our understanding that we are united with Christ. And therefore, we have joy. We have every spiritual blessing. We have life. We have purpose and meaning for every part of our life. Oh, Lord, would you show your resurrection through us. There are lives all around us that need to experience your hope and your life. So Lord, live out your resurrection through us, we pray, so that others may see Jesus Christ, that he may be lifted up and lives may be saved and transformed through him. In his great name we pray. Amen.